0: Hey everyone! Welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, welcome to the Vineyard. Happy Sunday. Hey, if you want to just open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, that'd be great. And uh, thank you, Fabio and Valesca. Great job. Hey, way to, way to punch through the microphone as well. Just like stand and deliver. Isn't it nice when somebody just like delivers? So good. Uh, really, really good. Um, yeah, we're going to be in this text this morning. We've spent a couple weeks here at the Vineyard, and we've been talking about Uh, One theme, we've been talking about developing character, integrity, and goodness. Because what we want to have here at the Vineyard is we want this to be a home where the disciples of Jesus actually become like Jesus. Like in the heart, we want to be people who end up uh, looking like, sounding like, feeling like, carrying the atmosphere of Jesus with us, wherever we go, you know? Uh, it's also our hope and, and it's also our vision that we'd be people who have the power of Jesus. But I'll just tell you this. We're living in a moment right now that's sort of drunk on power, you know? And one of the things we need to do is pursue that. Yeah, let's, let's pursue the power of Jesus. But we can't pursue the power of Jesus without also pursuing the character of Jesus, you know? You just can't do it. And we wanna, we've been just sort of pumping the brakes here for a few weeks to say, Man, how can we listen to the word of God? How can we listen to the spirit? And how can we give ourselves to being like Jesus in the heart? That's what we've been doing. We've been talking about character, integrity, and goodness. And here's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk to you out of Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 23. And today's message is called A Garden Vision. A Garden Vision, if we're going to title it, that's what it's going to be. Um, And here's why. It's sort of interesting to me that the Bible both opens and closes with this vision that there's like a garden, you know? If you read the book of Genesis, you see the Garden of Eden. There's a, there's a garden there. There are rivers there. There's a tree of life. And then if you flip all the way back to Revelation, what you see is that there's a garden there. Uh, there's a, there's, a, there's a rivers there. And there's a, there's a tree of life. And it like brings healing. And it's interesting to me that these are sort of like the bookends of the Bible. But then In between, we actually get this over and over again. It's just, there's something about this this vision or this picture or this metaphor of garden that keeps coming up. And even in the apostle Paul, even in the apostle Paul in his letter to the Galatians, he's just like writing to a church. It could be us, right? He's writing and in the middle of this moment where he's really digging in on like who we are and what we become, like what kind of people are we, right? Galatians chapter five. Uh, he, he holds out this vision that if we become people who let the spirit lead us, that's how he starts this passage off. I love that. If, if you will become a person who lets the spirit lead you, the spirit will lead you to producing what? Fruit. Like fruit. And again, it's, it's this reconnection to this grand Bible theme, which is wherever the spirit is, there's like living things Wherever the spirit is, there's life, there's, there's renewal, there's something green, there's something emerging, there's something that's, that's ever going on, right? There's something that's growing. And um, I, I just wanted to connect it to us that way, because if we have the life of the spirit in us, we'll produce the fruit of the spirit. But it's not just like, it's not just, it's not, it's not like this is just like individual uh, singular categories. It's that there's an atmosphere of renewal and and ever. there's something about your spirit that will be evergreen. You know, it's not like we're just checking these little boxes of, well, I've got love and I've got peace and I've got patience. I mean, that's fine. That's great. Let's do that. But there's something bigger that Paul's tapping in here. And it's, he's tapping into the biblical idea that the work of the spirit brings life. You ever been around somebody who's just like, they, they, to be with them brings me life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, when you encounter, you're, you're meeting the work of the Spirit in someone. Yeah, and so that's what we're doing this morning. We want to talk about a garden vision, and that's what this series is about. And uh, Reese, can we just put the scripture up this morning? I just want to read a couple things here, and then we'll, we'll jump into just pulling it apart a little bit. This is what Paul says. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let him have the steering wheel. Let him be the boss. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature, it just wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Anybody've ever felt that? Everybody, anybody feel the war sometimes? We'll, we'll pack that here in a moment. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. There's something bigger. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear: sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Isn't it interesting that the first three that he mentions are all in the category of like what we do with our bodies? Like, right? Then he says, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, like we're moving down into how we relate to each other, right? Jealousy, outburst of anger, anger. I have an anger problem. (laughs) I speak for a living. Outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Like Paul is not pulling punches, y'all. He's just not. But the fruit of the Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these kind of things. Here's the first thing I want to say to you about this passage. We are all growing something. That's the first thing you need to see in this passage. Paul, Paul's, he, he's, he's bringing it into high relief, but here's essentially what he's saying. Uh, everybody who's alive is either allowing the spirit to guide them or they're just living out of their, their, their sinful nature, right? And either one of these paths produces fruit. Everybody is growing something. That's the stark reality uh, these are, there's the works of the spirit and the works of the flesh. And Paul seems to be saying that everybody is growing one of the two. You know, there's no neutral field where there's, there's nothing really happening. We're either growing the fruit of the spirit or we're growing the works of the flesh. And here's what we need to realize or see here, that our minds and our hearts, they're fertile soil. Did you know that? Like, like your life, your mind and your heart, it is fertile soil it will grow something. Everyone here is growing something. And without a vision or a plan, the natural inclination of the soil of my heart is to grow the works of the flesh. I don't know about you, but that's, that's where my heart rests. If I, if I don't have a vision and if I don't have a plan, the natural inclination of my heart is to grow the works of the flesh. And, When Paul begins to list them out, it isn't isn't pretty. Sexual immorality, idolatry. And then we get down to things like fights and quarreling. And by the way, in every single one of Paul's letters, one of the things he hits the hardest is like, quit fighting with each other, you know? Quit it, quit it. Fights and quarreling. Uh, In the beginning, one of the things I want to tell you here is this. In the beginning, all these things spring up without my effort or thought. The works of the flesh, they spring up in my life without effort or thought or planning. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that like criticism just, it just grows in your life, right? It'll just like, criticism and judgment, it'll just grow. How many of you have ever noticed that like, like se- your sexual desire, just, it'll just grow in your life in all kinds of different ways. And, and how many of you know that, by the way, I just want to make one note really, really clear here. Uh, having a sex drive is not an evil thing, it's from God, it's good. Right, But how many of you know that that desire, that sex drive that is God-given, it can go all kinds of ways without any forethought, without any vision, and without any planning, and it can lead you to absolute ruin. Don't raise your hand. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Here's the other thing I know. Uh, sometimes all of these things, the works of my flesh, that I don't have to think about or plan, sometimes when they, when they first spring up, they don't look all that bad. Right? Have you ever noticed that at the beginning, at the beginning, sin is really fun. It's great. It is great. Like it is awesome. Every like, how many of you have ever just gotten like smashed drunk? It's really fun at first. It's great. Let me tell you, people are like, oh, that's not true. No, it really is true. It's fun to go out and drink with your buddies and like just like put the hammer down. It's fun. It's really fun at first and it doesn't take effort and it looks like it's great it's sprouting up. It's green. It's like everything around this as it emerges at the beginning is like green and it feels like it's alive. It's bringing me excitement. But then how does it end? It ends terrible. And, it, and, it, and by the way, the hangover isn't the ending. That's that, like the hangover is a gift, guys. The hangover is a gift. The hangover is like God trying to tell you, stop. Stop, right? Because if you can push past the hangover and you keep, you keep pressing in, then you'll, you'll end up addicted. And then when you get to addiction, then your family begins to dissolve. You know, like we know what happens here, right? But at the beginning, it feels alive, doesn't it? It's like, yes. This, it's like, I have more friends and I'm a cooler person. I'm not as introverted. I'm funnier, you know? Like, or I think I'm funnier. <sighs> Yeah, we can be encouraged to see something green sprouting up out of the ground. But in the end, all of these things produce a a crop of heartbreak and ruin. Uh, Let sexuality be led by unthinking desire and it only leads to one place, pain and ruin. I'm telling you. And every single thing in our culture right now is saying, you can do whatever you want with whoever you want, it's fine. And I wanna tell you, you cannot do whatever you want with whoever you want. My office is littered with people who've done that and it never ends well. And, and the, the tiny voice of conviction that we often push aside when it comes to sexual, sexual sin and sexual immorality, that tiny voice of the spirit that we often push aside is the one we need to listen to. Let me tell you, uh, the, the world right now is telling us things about what we could do with our bodies and it is profoundly counter to anything that will produce a crop of righteousness in your life. I don't talk about this much, but I want to dig in here just a little bit. Like like people are, people are living in, in ways right now that will not bring about the fruit of the Spirit, but even beyond that, will not bring about the kind of life you're hoping to have. Like if we just even take... You take the Bible out of it and you go like, what kind of life do I wanna have? I'm telling you, do not fall for the cultural traps of what, what culture is saying like is, is permissible, not even permissible, but what is good when it comes to sex. Do not do it. You know, I mean, we're living in a, in a, in a world right now where, where the ideas around like open marriage and polygamy and polyamory uh, this is becoming like everywhere. And it's not just out there. You guys, this is in Campbellsville. And I want to tell you, this is not the Lord. And this will lead no good place. And at the beginning, you can feel like, oh, this is really fun. Like we all like each other. No, this is, not, this is not a good little sprout that's coming out. This will be utter ruin. And there's a million other versions here. And the Bible says, if you live counter to the Spirit... You're sowing to a whirlwind that will bring pain and ruin into your life. And it's not because God is unkind. It's because there's just, there's just ways of living in this world. And there are a few that are really great. And there are a lot that will bring utter pain into your life that you cannot imagine. And I wanna tell you things like adultery, things like open marriages, things like uh, sleeping with whoever you want, anytime you want, I'm telling you this will not bring the life you're looking for it will not bring the life you're looking for. Uh, some, of us, some of us need to realize we can actually push back from the table. Like we don't wanna hear words like abstinence and celibacy. I'm telling you, those are not bad words. Like Paul wasn't married and Jesus wasn't married and he, they both lived fulfilled lives. Like your life is more than sex. Here's the deal. Uh, my wife and I have sex. It's really, it's great. We love it, right? Hoping, hoping to stay healthy and have more. But I want you to know your life is, my life is more than sex. It is more than sex. And if, and if, and if some, for some reason, any of that got taken away, my life would not be over. My, my Pleasure wouldn't be over. Happiness wouldn't be over. There, there's more to life. Our culture has told us that your life is sex. I'm telling you, it's not. We see this in Jesus who was never married. We see this in Paul and they lived out their life purpose. There's, there's a message in there for us. Let selfishness, let selfishness take root in your life. Let selfishness take root in my life. Let it, let it happen in an unthinking way. Uh, when I allow myself to just be led by desire, it only leads to one place. It's, it's pain and ruin. And, and here's what I want you to know cult- culturally as well, pastorally, that our culture is pretty much getting every single one of these issues wrong as it relates to, to the whole list that Paul lays out in the works of the flesh. So here's what I see in that section. If we just zoom out 30,000 feet, everybody here is growing something. Number one, everybody here, including me, we're all growing something. But here's, here's the bigger one. Number two, without a vision of goodness and cooperation with the spirit, we won't grow something that's worth anything. Like we're all growing something but the invitation here is for us to have a vision to grow the fruit of the Spirit. All right, here's the second thing I want to say. Sometimes gardening feels like war. Anybody ever, anybody ever grown anything? Like you till the ground and it's like, wow, isn't that beautiful? It's like so perfect. Look at that dirt. It's just incredible. It's so brown. It's so, it smells good. You guys like the smell of like, Till dirt. It's like it just smells great. It's like what I can smell the earthworms in this. <laughs> hmm. Microbes. I love that, you know? But but you 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 till up the ground and you you put in some seeds that you want, they they pop up, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. The beans are growing, whatever you want to grow. It's like the, the cucumbers are popping through. And, and then what happens? The weeds come. And once the weeds come, what is it? War. It's war. Like from that point on, it's just war, right? <laughs> Again, we see this in the passage. Paul's not a dummy. And I, I love that he's using these images of like growing and gardening. And at the same time, he's mixing metaphors because he talks about how these desires fight one another. They war with each other. Our, our sinful nature on the one side, but then, but then the desires that the Spirit gives us. And he says they fight with each other, and they're always fighting. So here's what it means for us. It means that sometimes it means that, that having a vision to live with the Spirit, it's going to feel like war, and it's not going to feel much like gardening. Sometimes it's a fight. I want to say maybe two things about this. If you begin to get a vision for life with the Spirit, I want to say a couple things. Number one, I want to say this: expect opposition. Right? Like as soon as you, as soon as you decide, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to live. I'm going to let the Spirit lead me, just the way He opens up Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen. I'm going to underline it in my Bible. I'm going to read it. I'm going to put it on my bathroom mirror. And I'm gonna like actually lean into this. I'm gonna let the Spirit lead me. As soon as you decide to let the Spirit lead you, here's what I want you to know is gonna happen. You're gonna you're going into war. Like it just as soon as you do that, you just have to know it's like great. I'm gonna garden the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Yes, and you're going to get shot at by every single thing that's on the inside of you. Expect opposition. Uh, expect disruption. Uh, expect setbacks and, and some frustration. Uh, how many of you have ever set out on like a noble goal? Uh, and maybe the noble goal is something like this. I'm going to try to grow, grow kindness in my life. Anybody ever done this? You're like, I have a new goal. I'm going to be kind. Not just nice, I'm going to be kind. And that's, there's a difference there, right? I'm going to be kind because, because uh, sometimes nice, when you're nice, you're, you'll tell lies, Right? just keep peace. I'm just, yeah. but, but kindness is like, it's like, it's like you want what's best for the other person. Right. And so sometimes kindness actually has a note of truth in it in a really, in a really, like in a way that reaches out. Does that make sense? But Man, how many of you have ever like set out on a noble goal? You're like, I'm going to be kind and I'm going to be, I'm going to be like kind to difficult people. That's what I'm going to do. And then, and then what happens next? All week long, you you meet who? Rude people. Isn't it? What is it? What is it? Here's what that is. You've, You've put some seeds, like the spirit has dropped the seeds of kindness into your life and the weeds of rudeness. Like where does, like what, God, what are you doing? Here's what God's doing. He's planting kindness in rude fields. That's what he's doing. And you'll meet rudeness all week long. You know, how many of you have ever said, you know what? I want to grow in patience. I don't, I don't want to be quick tempered. I want to grow in patience. I want to be patient with my children. Uh, I want to be patient with people. I want to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm just, I want to be patient with officials at soccer games. <laughs> I want to be, I want to be patient, you know, and then, and then what happens? Delays, Right. What is God doing? He is planting patience in delaying fields. That's what he's doing. You know? You want to yield your heart to love? Here's what'll happen when you decide to yield your heart to love. You will get thrashed. Why? Because this is, this is the way the Spirit works in our lives, and this is this is actually the world that we live in. Guys, it's a battle. It's a battle. Like, did you ever notice that when you read the Gospels, everywhere Jesus went, like he'd meet demon-possessed people? And they're all like, what do you want with us, Jesus? And by the way, like in the Gospel of Mark, they're all at church, by the way. (laughs) Jesus doesn't meet any demons out in the streets in Mark. They're all at church. Jesus would be like, hey, I want to read you something out of Isaiah. And somebody would be like, ah! I mean that's not exactly the way it happened, but it's kind of the way it happened. It's it's pretty much the way it happened. But we even see it. We see it in the Gospels, and then we see it in Paul, right? Like there's a war. Like we're gardening, but there's a war. You know, you set yourself to yield to the Spirit, man. Just expect opposition. And why am I telling you that? Uh, Because if if you get opposed in yielding to the Spirit, don't let it deflate you. Uh, if you can, receive some encouragement from you. It's actually, it's actually this strange gravity showing you you're heading in the right direction. When you pray for patience and you get delayed, don't get bummed out like you're actually, you're headed in the right direction. And when you decide to yield to love and you get thrashed by some people, you know you didn't screw up. You're actually, you're actually letting the spirit work in your life. Uh, the, the second thing I want to tell you about this warring battle of gardening is not only can you expect opposition, but expect some losses. I mean, battles are costly. I mean, are you kidding me? Talk to a soldier. I mean, you, you need to expect some losses. The other thing about battles is this, uh, they're chaotic. You know, uh, y- y'all, y'all remember that Mike Tyson quote? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, right? Everybody has a plan till when? Till you get hit in the face. I love that, dude. Mike Tyson, it's not a joke. Everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the face. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I'm in a war. So true. Battles are costly. Some are chaotic. Things don't go as planned. Like you can have a plan to yield to the spirit and it's going to get chaotic at some point. It just, it just will. Uh, and if you're battling addiction, I just want to talk to people who are battling addiction for a moment. Uh, if you're battling addiction, any kind, like uh, drugs, alcohol, sex addiction, uh, pornography, um, c- c- dude, c- more and more these days, just technology addiction, you know? Just like literally giving my whole life away to a screen, right? Ooh, that's a, that's a real one, you know? I mean, like if your phone says that you're spending five or six hours a day on, on the phone, can I tell you something? We're wasting our lives, right? Like that's an addiction. You know, if you're battling addiction and you're like, okay, I don't wanna be addicted anymore. I've gone to the bottom and I wanna yield to the spirit. I wanna maybe go to AA, I wanna get some help, I wanna get a counselor, I wanna pray, I wanna like let the fruit of the spirit grow in my life. Can I tell you something? Uh, You're gonna receive opposition from your internal desires and maybe from externally from other people uh, and the battle will be costly. Sometimes you'll lose. Um, Here's just the truth. Most people who are overcoming addiction or who are growing in the fruit of the spirit, Sometimes you'll just fall off the wagon. And here's what I want to say to people who have fallen off the wagon. You can get back on. There's always mercy. You can start over. Like this is, like the Christian message is, is you can always start over again. You know, maybe maybe you're addicted and maybe you have actually fallen off the wagon and you came this morning, you know? You're like, you know what? I'm never gonna look at pornography again. And you're here and you looked at porn this week. Uh, here's the good news. Uh, we're Christians and Jesus is alive. And because of that, you can start over again today by by going, I will not look at this stuff. You know, maybe, maybe you've been taking pills and maybe you go to five doctors to get the pills you need. Uh, and maybe you just like, Go home and bomb out on pills. And here's the thing. Maybe you've told yourself, I'm not going to do that anymore. And maybe you have. Here's the good news. You can stop today. You can yield to the Spirit. You can get the extra help that you need. Maybe a counselor. Maybe go to NA or something. But, but there's always mercy to start again. Uh, even if there's losses, there's mercy to start again. And, and we can't let a, a loss keep us from pressing forward to yielding to the Spirit. I want to wrap with this. In order to grow the Spirit, to yield to the Spirit, and to grow the fruit of the Spirit, we have to have vision. I'm I'm so convicted about this right now. You know, if you want to have character, if you want to have integrity and goodness in your life, you have to have a vision for character and integrity and goodness. We have to have a dream for the fruit of the Spirit. Dreams and vision, they literally make new and impossible things available. Here's what I was thinking about this week. I was thinking about cities. I was thinking about Chicago and New York City in particular. Two of America's greatest cities, like truly wonderful places. I don't know if you've been, I highly recommend it. But I was thinking about Chicago and New York this week, and I was thinking about just how big they are. Anybody ever been? I mean, it's just it's like it's like unending urbanness in every direction. Miles of concrete, right? Miles of concrete, miles of sidewalks, roads, bridges, high rises, tall buildings, people, just like there's so many people and, and there's so many things happening. And, and all of the concrete and, and all the sidewalks and roads and high rises and shops and places to work, they're all orchestrated in a way that makes living and makes making a living as efficient as possible for this great number of people. Like things are just, it's just popping, right? But here's what's amazing about New York and about Chicago and lots of other cities. What's really stunning is, is right in the middle of New York City, there's a hundred acres and, and it's, it's green. It's like, it's called Central Park. Anybody ever been to Central Park? And then down in Chelsea, down in Chelsea, which is a neighborhood in New York City, there's this abandoned train line, the elevated train line, that they no longer use. And someone said, you know what I wanna do? Uh, We're gonna take this and rather than knock it down, we're gonna turn it into a garden. And it's called the High Line. And listen, it's worth going to New York City to get off of that plane and to go to the High Line, buy yourself a coffee and take a three and a half or four mile walk through the city elevated, surrounded by trees and flowers and grasses and places to sit that overlook uh, the Hudson River, and then Midtown Manhattan. Like it's it's worth going just for that. Right in the middle of New York City, there's a hundred acres, you know, it's Central Park. And then there's the High Line in Chelsea. And there's all these other little parks scattered out through the city. And in the middle of Chicago, right in the middle of the biggest buildings, there's Millennium Park. You ever been there? You've been to the Bean, you know? And there's flowers and there's there's all these gardens. There's like grass, there's places to like be a human being. And so in the middle of these enormous and beautiful cities that are all about efficiency and production, somebody had the vision to grow a garden. Okay. I love this. I absolutely love this. Right in the middle of New York City and Chicago, uh, places where, where the ground, where, where real estate is so expensive, like, like even uh, you could sell it by the square foot. Like, like we're talking about if you had, if you had even if you had even something, a plot of land as big as this room, this room is like like maybe 4,000 square feet. If you had 4,000 square feet in the middle of Manhattan somewhere, it would be worth tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. And in the middle of New York City, someone had the vision to set aside 100 acres that could never be covered with concrete just to grow grass and trees. And in the middle of Chicago, someone had the vision to make Millennium Park, and it would never be co- covered with high-rises or production or business or places to drive cars. It would just be a place to rest. Here's why it blows my mind. It blows my mind because those are, they're expressions of vision. In a, in a world where everything's concrete, someone had a vision for something different. In a world where everything is high rises and steals, someone had a vision for something green and growing. And I think this is a profound metaphor for the life of the spirit. There's a sense in which culture is a concrete jungle and it wants to assimilate us completely. Here's what the culture wants to do. It wants to pave over your heart. It wants to put a high rise on your heart. It wants to put some concrete in your heart. It has reasons. It wants all the land. The culture that we live in, it wants all of the land of your heart. But if you have a vision, if you have a different vision, you can have a different outcome. This is what Paul is saying to us. And it's the same for the fruit of the spirit. If we lean into it, if we make it our goal, we can actually plant and grow something that is different than the culture we are surrounded by. And it will be a place of rest, not just for us, but for everyone we encounter. Let me tell you something, church. If you grow the fruit of the spirit, it'll be good for you, but it'll be good for everybody in this room. You know? I mean, that's ultimately what fruit is, right? Fruit is for someone else. It's for nourishing. This is why we need vision. Everyone here needs a vision for becoming like Jesus in the heart. Everyone here needs a vision for creating a central park in your life, for creating a millennium park in your life, for creating the high line on your heart. And here's the good news. Here's the good news, especially for those of us who feel really, really, really close to our sinful proclivities. For people here, man, I'll put my hand up. For people here who feel the, the tug of, of sin, for people here who, who feel the way it attaches to us, for he, people here who feel close to addiction, uh, here's the really good news for us. If you, if you get a vision, you can grow something different. But here's the even better news. Tastes Change. I've been thinking about this this week. One of the really amazing things about people is how our tastes change. I'll just roll out three examples here real quick. Um, Black coffee, raw oysters, and dry red wine. There's not a kid alive that likes any of them. (laughs) Kids don't, you know? And when you start drinking coffee, what do you drink? half a gallon of cream and a ton of sugar, right? <laughs> and then one day you go to Hardened Coffee and they have like an Ethiopia that they just roasted. And, and you say, you know what? I'm not going to ruin and pollute this Ethiopian coffee <laughs> with cream and sugar. I want to actually taste it. And so, so Seth makes you a pour over. And when he does, you realize, oh my goodness, I've been covering up blueberry notes with sugar and cream. And it's a revelation. And here's what happens the first time it happens to you, you go, that's interesting. And then the second time you go to it, you're like, I really like this. And by the third time, your tastes have changed. What am I saying? Like, you can grow new tastes in your life. You can grow a new appetite. You know, the first time, the first time that you encounter a raw oyster, you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to eat it. It's it's probably, it looks like a loogie. It's uh, they're ocean loogies, you know. They're just little, little snot rockets right out of the ocean. But here's what happens. Here's what happens. You grow up. You grow up. And you you get off of the rice krispies. And you and you get off of the popcorn shrimp. And then one day, one day you go to a decent restaurant and you have a, you have a grilled prawn. You don't go straight to oysters. You have a grilled prawn. And some of you are like, what's a grilled prawn? Like big shrimp and you eat it. And when you eat this sucker, you're like, there's something, there's something about this, this dish, this like oceanic. I can taste the salt water in this thing. And you're like, that was really, that was amazing, you know? And then you go back to the restaurant again and you get the grilled prawns. And you're like, there is definitely something here that is reminding me of the ocean. You know, it's like high level analysis. Came out of the ocean. There's something here. I don't know what it is. but it remi- and, then, and then you have a lobster roll, you know? You get a lobster and they put a bunch of mayonnaise in it. And they put it on a hoagie and you're like, this is really good. I don't there's something here that's oceanic. And then you're out on the on the you're out on the dock one day, and then and then your your crazy uncle comes in, you know? And he's like, hey, here's what we're doing. I'll buy you all the lobster rolls you can eat, but first we're gonna eat a dozen raw oysters, right? And you're like, I, I don't know if I want an ocean Lukey." And he's like, no, for real, for real, honestly. Here's what I want you to do. You just like just put a little bit of horseradish on him and a squeeze of lemon and, and just have at it. And, and you're really afraid. And then you, you, you take it in your mouth and you're almost a little bit caught off guard. And then you get it down and you realize there's something profoundly oceanic about this. And yes, it's a little slimy, but, but there's something here that's like unctuous. It's like it's something other, and you and you're like, I think I want another one of those, right? And then you then you have it, and you're like, this is one of the best things I've ever had. Your taste can, our appetites change. Like like no kid, no kid wants dry red wine. Everybody wants like like manischewitz. You ever had any manischewitz? That's how you start out, you know. Like people like people like purple toad. People do. I don't know why, but they do. But they do, right? And here's what I'm telling you. You drink, you drink wine and not long enough and you will transition away from sweet wine to dry red wine. It is a journey that you go on, right? Like, ain't nobody, ain't nobody in France drinking that stuff. Everybody in France is drinking Rhone. They're drinking Bordeaux, and they're different. And, and how do we make that change? A little at a time, Tastes change, our appetites change. And let me tell you something, church, this is the good news. This is actually a gospel word to us. If we have a vision for it, we can grow something else. And along the way, the thing that feels difficult to us will become our pleasure. Like at the beginning, kindness can feel difficult with rude people. But, but if we keep yielding to the spirit, we can, actually, we can actually find the pleasure of knowing God and being kind to rude people. You know, and, and being patient is really hard. You'll get delays and it'll be a war and sometimes you'll lose and you'll be the person who goes nuts and they'll be like, aren't you a Christian? You're like, I was. <laughs> <laughs> but if we keep yielding to the spirit, like the appetites of our heart can change. You know, it isn't just black coffee, oysters and red wine. I want to tell you something. It's like actually our heart too. Our, 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 our internal appetites can change. We can actually become gentle people. We can become gentle people. Like like how do you know you've met somebody who's been touched by God? They become more gentle. They become harder? You know they don't beat people up. They become gentle. How do you know? And here's the other part. Like like it's real. How many of y'all know it's fun to dunk on people? especially on the internet, right? It's like all these fools on the internet. It's like, oh man, I just want to dunk on them. And and it's fun to dunk on them in person too. Especially if you have like the gift of rhetoric. It's like, oh, this guy's walking into traps left and right. But if you keep yielding to the spirit and you're like, you know what? I have a vision for my life. I want to grow in gentleness. Eventually you'll become a gentle person and it'll be your preference. Like, like the the joy of dunking on people will leave, it will leave your heart like the joy, like the joy of over sugared, over creamed coffee when it was an Ethiopian single origin. You know, it can leave your it can leave your heart. Your, your heart can change. Same thing with addiction. You know, the joy, the joy of substances. You can you can let it go. Like you can, it can be replaced over time. It'll be difficult. It'll be a war. Expect opposition. You'll lose. You'll probably fall off the wagon. And then you'll get back up because mercy is new every morning. And if you keep yielding to the spirit, the appetite of your heart will change. And you can let go of addiction the same way that you let go of not eating an oyster. You know, you can just become a brand new person. I think this is the word of the Lord to us. We, we can actually become different people. We don't have to become stuck, you know? And some of us grew up in families where, man, it was just filled with like hatred and like talking to each other like dogs and, you know, all the things. Like we can let go of like long held internal muscle memories that like we can let go. We can actually become different people by yielding to the spirit. Let the spirit lead Yeah. All right, so here's what I want to do this morning. Reese, can you put up my final slide, big dog? Here's what we do this morning. You might want to screenshot this or just write it down. Or if you're real smart, memorize it. Here's what we do to lean into what I've been talking about this morning. Ask for vision. You know, you may not have a vision for growing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Ask God, God, would you give me a vision? I want to to be a person who has a vision to grow the character of Christ in my heart. Number two, ask for grace. You can't do it on your own. Paul says over and over again in that passage, let the Spirit lead you, right? Let the Spirit guide you. He's the one who grows it. He's the one who grows it. By the way, uh, when we ask for grace, like... God will God will lead us. He will lead us. And by by the way, He'll probably lead us to do things that we already know. Things like read our Bible and pray. Things like you know, get some Christian friends. Uh, Things like be honest with some other people. Have some people pray for you. Like just really normal things, Uh, normal Christian practices are usually the expressions of grace. But here's what I want to tell you about that. The Christian practices do not change you. Prayer doesn't change you. Confession doesn't change you. Uh, worshiping God doesn't change you. Coming to church doesn't change you. Reading your Bible does not change you. Uh, what all of those practices do is they hold space open in our life so the Spirit can change us. Right? Like, I don't read my Bible to, to like impress God and like win him. Uh, I read, I read my Bible to like, let, let the spirit touch my heart. That's, I mean, that's literally all I do. And when I read the Bible, I read, I read until my heart is touched and then I stop. And sometimes that's like a word or two or like two verses. And I'll just, I'll just close it. I'm like, that was it. That's why I came here. I came here to be touched by God, ask for vision, ask for grace. And then, and then Number three, ask for patience. Man, how many of y'all know you don't snap your fingers and get fruit? It takes a minute, right? So why don't we just go ahead and like, it's okay if it takes a minute. All right, why don't you stand up this morning? I'm gonna pray. Worship band, come on up. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, You can follow us on social media. Until next time.